I have a survival guide to this busy season for you, and it's Pixello. Pixello is a mobile-friendly, all-in-one software that helps photographers get it done with one simple plan. Pixello wants to help you build a successful business all in one place. We all know the feeling of trying to find time to get everything done. Shoots, editing, finding time for your personal life. Well, Pixello is here to save your sanity this busy season. Pixello can help you with anything from business coaching to client booking, galleries, and more. Sign up for a free Pixello trial by using the link in the episode notes. That's P-I-C-S-E-L-L-O and use the link in the episode notes for a free trial of Pixello. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment, oh, keep my sanity Wisdom rushing in so much clearer Welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. This episode is going to be super awesome because we are talking about, I feel like a very hot topic, which is passive income. We love to see it. And today I am chatting with Aubrey Westlund. Um, Aubrey, I will let you introduce yourself. You can kind of tell everyone who you are and what you do. Thanks, Cassidy. I'm really excited to be here. Um, So as you mentioned, my name is Aubrey Westland. I am a business mentor and creative um, and consultant for creative entrepreneurs, mostly photographers and graphic designers, that sort of thing. And I really love to help them lighten their workload, transition away from, you know, mainly taking on client work to building multiple streams of income, including passive income into their business. Um, you know, also that you can build a life of more ease and creative freedom. I'm glad to hear that like you not only like have done this yourself, but you like tell people how to do it. Cause I think it's one thing for you to be able to do it for yourself, but then to be able to do it for other people as well, I think just shows that you actually know what you're talking about. You know, like I could tell people like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can my business, but it's like, if I can make other people make six figures, then you know, it works, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like having the blueprint that you can share with people. Yes. Exactly. So I would love to hear your story and how you got started in all of this kind of take me back to the beginning and break, break it down. I just, I think it's interesting to hear like (laughs) kind of like the origin story of everyone because everyone starts, you know, at different places. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I guess I'll go all the way back to before I became an entrepreneur, I was working for a realtor and it was just like such a miserable job. I think a lot of us have experiences where it's like, if I could just work for myself, you know, and get out of this situation, I'd be so much happier. So the first business I started was actually an Etsy shop and I created wedding invitations on Etsy. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, so, that's so um, funny. That actually kind of became my first source of passive income because later I turned all those designs into digital designs so that they could sell passively on Etsy. Um, but once I moved on from there, the thing that I really wanted to do was be a wedding photographer. So I actually moved, you know, from Idaho to San Diego, just so that I could like really get immersed and do it full time. Um, so that was my life for like eight or nine years. I was a full time wedding photographer. And the way I got into stock photography actually happened, you know, during one of those slow scenes and slow seasons in my business where I was like, you know, man, I wish I just really wish I had like another source of income to kind of like help get me through these slower times and not have to worry or freak out when, you know, the, the emails aren't coming in and I'm not booking new clients. Um, so yeah, that's actually how I got into stock photography. And the truth is I was actually approached by an agency. So it wasn't really something that it's still not really something that like a lot of people know about. The whole industry mm -hmm. is still kind of like mysterious. Um, so I feel super lucky that they actually reached out to me individually when they were um, starting up their agency, because that really got me into, you know, researching and learning about stock photography and realizing that it could actually be a consistent income stream and all of that. Um, and now I've been doing that for about six years and I eventually transitioned out of weddings. <laughs> so, um, I still do photography, but it's more kind of like on my terms when I want to set up shoots for stock or, um, I still love shooting family photos. So, you know, I have those families that come back every year, but for the most part, I'm, um, pretty much fully transitioned out of photography into more of this educational space now. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. I wanted to kind of circle back on a few things that you said. I feel like every time I just have questions <laughs> and so I'm just going to yes, ask you that's them. Great. Um, so the first thing you mentioned was moving to San Diego, um, mm -hmm. to do weddings. Um, I know like you're not currently shooting weddings, but I would love to hear kind of how you did that, like how you moved and like how that was for you. It's sort of just like how you approached it because that seems like a big drastic move. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, and luckily I was young, you know, and I kind of had this idea in my mind that if I go there and totally fail, like I can always move back and like move in with my parents. <laughs> there wasn't like a ton on the line, you know, so I was lucky yeah. that I was kind of at that stage in my life where I could take risks like that. But, um, you know, I'm from Idaho. There's a much smaller population of people. Um, people tend to spend less on their weddings here. And it's not really year round the way that it is in Southern California, where like, it's almost always warm and people will come from out of town to get married there. Um, so I kind of thought like, maybe that would be a good place if I was gonna, if I was already, you know, planning on getting started in this industry, like, maybe I should go where like all the weddings are happening. Um, yeah. and so my strategy back then, I just kind of started reaching out to people, you know, just doing some networking with other wedding vendors. I, um, 
let's see, I think this was like the first or second year, but I did like all the wedding shows. <laughs> okay. um, not actually, not a ton came from those, but I did like meet other vendors. That was probably like the, the most valuable part of doing wedding shows for me. Um, and then I did like, from the people I met, I ended up like booking a couple weddings. You know, I, I took them on for very, very low, very, very low price so that I could just like have those images of California weddings. Um, and just like, this was also back when like the Instagram algorithm wasn't so bad with photos. So I was able to, um, you know, use those hashtags for San Diego weddings and things like that and get clients through Instagram back then. Um, yeah. So yeah, it actually, I don't know, you know, if it was just like the perfect timing or what, but it really only took me about a year or two to really be like fully full-time in weddings down there. Um, and of yeah. course, like I did already have my Etsy shop. So that was, you know, a little bit of income that I could rely on. Mm-hmm. So that did help. Um, you know, it could be the same if you moved somewhere and like had a part-time job or a full-time job and like started your wedding photography business on the side. But yeah, I think just like, I was so excited about getting started in weddings and like so excited to be living in a new place that I just had like all this creative energy and that probably helped a lot too. Yes, totally. Yeah. When you have the energy to put behind it, I feel like you can do wonders. Like you can definitely tell the difference between someone who's super passionate about what they do and just they love it so much and they want to see their business grow versus someone Mm -hmm. that is just like not as passionate about it. Like you can totally tell, um, on social media when you work with them. And then I think in their images. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it (laughs) translates like all around to what they do. And then, you know, that does contribute to success sometimes. Um, I wanted to ask you then about your transition out of weddings, um, and into a different niche. Um, how did you do that? And like, I, I guess with like weddings, like literally, how did you stop Taper doing off. that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I had the help of the pandemic. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so that 2020, you know, I, that's kind of the time when I decided like this, you know, I've got to figure something out because, um, you know, being in California, I don't know. Are you in California? I can't remember. No, no I'm in Michigan. So, um, you know, all the venues shut down pretty much in California. Mm. So it wasn't like, you know, other places where people were still like, oh, let's just risk it and move forward with our wedding. Like there were just no weddings happening. So Mm -hmm. uh, we pretty much lost, you know, like the full year's worth of income. And we had moved back to Idaho we had a daughter, my husband and I, and, you know, we wanted to be close to our family again. So we moved back to Idaho and I didn't have a job. So I just decided to like teach this online class. I was like, I have some knowledge about stock photography and like how to sell your photos online. Maybe I'll just like put together a class and see if people are interested because I have like, you know, all these connection with connections with photographers. So I put that up and I think I priced it at like $25 and I ended up having like 30 people sign up for it. 
which is like really exciting, like for your, for, for my first, you know, live event. Um, and it went really well. And I really enjoyed like putting together all the materials and everything. Um, and people were really, really interested in the subject. It was obviously like the perfect time for it too, because people, you know, needed to find other ways to make money, especially online. Um, so it just kind of started to take off. And from there, I, um, let me see, what did I do first? From there, I started taking on like one-on-one clients. And at the same time, I started like a membership where I would teach different aspects of stock photography every month. Um, and so it was kind of like a way of like slowly creating my course and having people like pay for it. So it was like a really low priced membership. And I, you know, it was, it was hard work every month because I'm putting together like all these materials and, you know, filming videos and stuff and like having to come up with new content and, um, yeah, like new educational content every month. But then like by the end of that year, I pretty much much had everything I needed to put together my course. And I had been able to like make some income along the way. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like how I did part of my transition. And then the other part was just like, slowly taking on fewer and fewer weddings and raising my prices a little bit um, until I felt like, you know, I didn't need to rely on that anymore. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's kind of like you taper off a bit, but I I didn't like fully stop, you know, all at once. I did a little bit during 2020 when I wasn't able to shoot weddings. But then after that, once they started up again, I just, you know, started taking on fewer and fewer weddings until I wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really necessary for me anymore. Right. And I think what's nice about that strategy is if anyone listening is interested in like switching niches or yeah, anything like that, like you can do two things at once. So for example, Mm -hmm. when I was full-time working for a nonprofit, I was also doing weddings in my own business on the side. And like, I slowly cut back from my nonprofit job and cut down to 20 hours and then focus the rest of my time on weddings. And Mm -hmm. I think because I was able to do both of those at once, I was able to see, okay, yes, weddings work for me. And I think I like, I'm starting to see my income increase from putting more time towards it, which means if I cut this completely, my nonprofit, I can grow my wedding business. So, you know, it's a good transition to like kind of do both at once and see, okay, is this thing that I'm pursuing going to work? And if you don't see it flourishing as much as you'd want, you can always go back and rely on that thing that you were doing before. But it's not Mm -hmm. like, I feel like people think you have to like switch niches or go full time immediately, but like you don't have to, like you can do two things at once and just kind of feel it out and then, you know, make Mm -hmm. your decision for what you want to do. I also feel that like it's easier on, you know, like your own mental health and your body because you're not like suddenly panicking like I have to like make, you know, I have to replace my income this year with this new thing that I'm doing. Like no, you can do it slowly and like you said, mm-hmm. you know, kind of as one as your business picks up, you can taper down your hours with, you know, what you were doing before. Because obviously you need a little bit more of that time and energy if you want the business to keep growing. But you also like in the beginning have the support of 
a steady paycheck where you're not like freaking out about, oh gosh, what am I going to do? Like, I don't have enough weddings booked or I don't have enough clients booked, that sort of thing. So I think it's just like a really great way to like transition into running your own business. Yeah. Yeah, Uh absolutely. Amen. Mm -hmm. So um, (laughs) let's talk about passive income then. Um, I would love for you to break down like how someone currently listening who maybe doesn't have passive income right now, how can they start and where, where do they start with it? Kind of break down the whole process of where someone should start and what steps they should take if they want to pursue passive income in their business. Sure. So I like to think of like, think of this as like, there's three tiers of passive income that we as creatives can build within our business. The first one being that we can license or like monetize our creative assets. So our photos, our videos, um, illustrations or designs, that sort of thing. And I think the best way to do that is through stock, like stock photography. Mm -hmm. So you know, think agencies like Shutterstock, Stocksy, Adobe, places like that. Um, And I think we'll probably get into that a little bit more later. So Mm -hmm. the second tier would be more like licensing your tools. So this would include things like your photo presets, maybe even like email templates or Mm -hmm. um, Dubsado templates, things like that. And then the third one would be monetizing your knowledge. So things like courses, workbooks, um, mm-hmm. you know, even even like podcasts could be. I know that that's more of like a long game. But mm-hmm. yeah, any way that you can take the things that you've learned over your time as a creative or a business owner, owner and like help other people that there are like many, many ways that you can monetize your knowledge. So those are like the top three things that I would look at. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really good breakdown, Um, especially like I feel like a lot of people don't think about the first one, licensing and what did you say, usage or you said licensing and something. um, Your your like creative assets or monetizing them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. so I feel like that concept is something that we really don't think about because it's like oh I go and shoot this deliver it that's it but like Mm -hmm. a lot of brands and companies are looking for images like that on stock websites like I worked for a company that absolutely we were always using um oh what is the free one I'm not gonna think of it it's like the cool trendy one pixels Oh, no, I'm not going to remember it. It it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, but like, that's something that I feel like designers are always in need of stock photos. Yes, exactly. And it's like, they hire people (laughs) like us to literally go and either take photos or they go and find someone else who has images similar to it. So like, why not just like put your photos Most of the time they need it more immediately. They don't have the time to like plan out a full shoot, right? So that's where stock photos can be like so important for them. Right. Exactly. Um, So yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No. Did you have more to say? (laughs) Uh, No, you keep going. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I thought you were going to say something. Okay. Um, I did want to ask like, before we dive into like the specifics of, of things, like 
let's talk about why passive income is important. So like in your eyes, why do you feel like passive income is something Mm -hmm. that creatives should focus on? Well, I don't know about you, but I feel like when I was a photographer or when I was a full-time photographer, I would just get stuck in these ruts, like these creativity ruts, because I just got so used to like shooting the same thing and people wanting, wanting the same thing or shooting weddings in the same way. And so then it was like no longer exciting for me. I wasn't being as creative. I wasn't having as much fun with it. And I just feel like sometimes there's a danger for creatives creatives in doing the same thing over and over again. And we need to like mix it up. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that we need to like quit shooting weddings and move on to commercial work or anything like that. But I think that just having the opportunity to shoot things in a different way or follow new creative pursuits without, you know, having to like shut down your entire business can be really, really helpful. Like, I mean, not only for your creativity, but also to like have the security of multiple passive income streams, you know, where like, say you get an email from a client that you don't feel aligned with and you don't really feel excited about doing that job. Like you you don't have to, because you know, like I have these other streams of income that can provide for me and I can, you know, take the time to take on the work that is the most exciting and the most creatively fulfilling for me. Um, Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, it does. I like the perspective of like the creativity. I think a lot of the times in weddings, couples, like even like if you're just doing seniors or families, like if you shoot the same thing over and over and over again, it can be so repetitive. Like at first it's so fun. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm doing the same thing every single shoot. And like, I'm just not feeling inspired anymore. So I feel like when you (laughs) incorporate, you you might not even realize it. Yeah. Like that you're like, doing li- the same thing over and over again. Yes, literally. And you're like, why am I feeling unfulfilled? And it's because of the fact that like you don't have anything else. You're literally doing the same thing over and over. So I think it's good to view passive income as like a like a mental health, like creative rut outlet mm-hmm. because it really truly does it, it does that for you, but it also opens up other opportunities that maybe you didn't even see there before because you didn't even try it like with stock images or whatever and um just to like share a little story with you it's also nice you know when you can choose work and not even have to think about like the money so for example I had this like wellness collective contact me once but they didn't really have the budget to hire me And so I decided to ask them, like, would you be willing to sign these model releases so that I could take these photos and license them as stock, like as a trade? And you can also have the photos and use them for your own business. And they said yes. And like they had this beautiful space and all these great people that I got to work with. And we did like a full day of shoots of like massage and yoga and like Reiki and all these different things. And it was so much fun. And I loved how the photos turned out, Um, you know, and I might have turned it down initially, but then it ended up being like that collection has sold more times than any other collection of photos in my stock portfolio. So it like paid off big time for me. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I've made much more than I would have made just, you know, charging them a one time fee. 
And it's Mm -hmm. not always going to pay off like that. But just, you know, the fact that it was a great experience and I had fun and I really got to be creative and do something that I normally wouldn't have had the opportunity to shoot. Um, And it paid off, you know, so it kind of gives you a little more flexibility where you you don't always have to worry so much about how much you're being paid for a job because one over time you'll learn the things that are going to pay off and the things that won't. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I I like that story because I think a lot of the times like a free shoot like there's just this like weird negative energy around doing free shoots and while I understand yeah. where that comes from Like, I personally think that, like, if you need the portfolio or you see it working out for you in some other way, like, if you think, oh, if I shoot this, I know I'm going to get bookings from it. It is kind of like an investment of your time and energy. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah, I think it, like, some things are just, like, you kind of just have to evaluate. Like, I don't know, if a celebrity came to me and was like, Mm -hmm. hey, A-list celebrity, hey, shoot my wedding. I think I would do it if they were asking for free because I think it would open other opportunities for me mm-hmm. that like, you know, would pay off in other ways that I don't think I would have otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And stock photography can be the same way. I know multiple commercial photographers who got their start, you know, shooting stock just going out and like doing shoots every day. And then they began getting hired by companies like Apple and Sony and, you know, things like that to actually produce their own shoots and get paid by those companies. So it can Mm -hmm. also be a way to, like you said, um, get hired, get other opportunities out of it and get hired, you know, for other things. Yes. Absolutely. So let's talk about stock images. Let's just dive into it. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) You are the queen of stock images, as I'm sure many of you listening can tell, like Aubrey is doing the stock game. So um, kind of break me break down for me, like why you chose stock images, what made that stand out for you and kind of like the whole process, like of selling your stock images, just like if I'm like the stock image dummy right now, like (laughs) break it down for me. Yeah, let's, let's do this. So as I said before, I was approached by a new agency called Offset and they are technically like the premium agency for Shutterstock. So probably many of you have heard of Shutterstock. It's probably one of the most famous stock agencies. And if you just go on their site and look at images, like they're going to be pretty inexpensive, but they have this other portion of their site where people who want to purchase um, images that are, you know, made by professional photographers and maybe have like a more refined look or more creativity, Um, just like the type of images that they can't find elsewhere because they're just higher quality. Um, That's what you'll find with a premium agency or a premium collection. So I got really lucky in that I was invited, but you can still apply. I've worked with many of my students have been accepted to offset and um, you know, they're still, they're still growing that agency and there's still opportunity there. Um, But I just kind of started by like uploading all the photos that I had available. (laughs) Like um, I started with a lot of my personal photos and the first photo I sold was like a photo of 
me and my dog. Like I was camping and holding my dog on my lap and I had taken a photo. And I think I made like $150 from that one sale. Wow. So that like gave me so much motivation just knowing that like, hey, I could actually make some money off of this. And if I, you know, just like take photos wherever I am with whatever I'm doing, like I can just upload them and potentially make sales. It doesn't even just have to be like my professional work. Um, But yeah, any, any photos that I could get like model releases for, or if I had like photos of friends or family, I would upload all of those. Um, And then from there, I would kind of watch and see what was selling and kind of get clues to what people were looking to buy. And that's when I started to kind of like produce my own shoots, like specifically for stock photography. Um, And also just like uploading the more random images, like the plants that I saw at a wedding, like I would sell so many photos of like cactuses from cacti from the (laughs) desert weddings that I shot and things just like random things like that. I'm just like, this is so crazy that there's like opportunities like this. And mm-hmm. now um, I, I like always have my iPhone with me to like take videos. So I'll take like vertical videos. That's something that's like oh. pretty hot right now because, you know, companies are looking for like footage for Instagram and TikTok. So I'll just like take 10 second videos when I'm out on a walk or like with my daughter and upload those. Mm-hmm. So you could do this, you know, even if you're not professional, like you got a pretty good phone camera and and can, you know, you know, like the rules of composition and that sort of thing. Um, you could upload, upload things from your phone too. Ooh, that's a really good idea. <laughs> I, I like that. It's, I always wondered like where these random brands were getting like these beautiful videos of like, like just like like the a, a city street in New York. I'm like, you didn't take that video. So like, where did right. you get that? Now that makes sense. <laughs> did you hire someone? No. Yeah. It's probably stock right. footage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's really cool. And like mm-hmm. the thing with what we're doing as photographers is like, we're probably shooting things that are aesthetic anyway. Like we picked the Absolutely. lighting, the location, like mm-hmm. probably had some sort of impact on like what the models are wearing or like, you know, we're perfectly picking spots that don't have tons of signage or whatever. Like we think about those things anyway. So why not monetize on like the more stock side of it? Like, you know, like landscape shots or like, like you're saying like random things that you don't even think cactuses, like that is just (laughs) absolutely crazy to me. Yeah. Like things that could just be background images or textures, Um, And I also will kind of give my students tips for like, if they're already doing a session, like say you're doing a family session and you, you want to be able to utilize some of those photos for stock. There are like all these little things you can do, like um, have one of the kids like holding an iPhone and looking at the phone. Like anytime you can incorporate technology in your photos, it's like, that's actually really great for stock. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, say you're shooting, uh, say you like have some beautiful recipe that you made and you want to take a photo of it, like just putting your hand in there or like having someone touch it, like having that like human element actually makes it 
even more valuable with stock. So just like little things like that, that you can do to actually Mm -hmm. like make more out of the photos you're already taking. Um, Yeah. yeah, And, and you can kind of, you can even just like go on a stock site and see what's popular and kind of learn that way. Like what, what could I be taking photos of at my weddings that could actually work really well, well for stock or, you know, just kind of changing your mindset a little bit. Once you start to learn a little bit more about stock photography and check out some of these agencies and see what's available. Yeah. So you would recommend someone getting set up with like a stock agency rather than just like going on iStock or whatever and just like creating an account, like you would recommend going through an agency instead. Is that why I'm understanding? iStock is actually an agency as well. There are, there are two main types. There's microstock, which is like what iStock would fall under and even, you know, even Shutterstock like as a whole because their main goal is to like sell a really large volume of photos at a low price point. Um, while there are then the premium agencies where the photos are um, more exclusive and a little bit higher quality and they sell at a much higher price point. Um, mm-hmm. But usually like the companies that want higher quality and can pay for higher quality, they also like the idea that they are a bit more exclusive and, you know, there's like, there's less people using those photos because they're a higher price point. Does that make sense? So I actually have a free resource on my website. It's called my little black book of stock photo agencies, where I kind of break down all the different agencies and what the commission rate is with each one and, um, you know, who it might be good for. Because there's also like stylistic differences. So if you are like someone who loves to shoot um, in a more photojournalistic style or shoots photos of families um, and lots of different people, then Offset would probably be a great agency for you to look into. But if you're someone who's like always, you know, kind of like following the photography trends and you love to do things that are bold and like use bright colors, then Stocksy would probably be a great agency for you to look into. So there are like little differences like that as well that Mm -hmm. I kind of outline in that guide. Um, But I would definitely say if you're a professional photographer, look into a premium agency first, because I really think that having like that little extra bit of motivation, like once you make a sale and it's, you know, more than $50 or something like some agencies I've made like one cent on a sale. So that's not really motivating. It's like, okay, I made a cent on the sale. Why should I keep like wasting my time doing this? Um, But if you can make a hundred dollars on one sale, then it's like, yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep working at this. So if you can, that's a great place to start. And there's also nothing wrong with work. Like I also work with multiple micro stock agencies and um, I make a lot more sales on there. So it almost evens out, but it does, there's that like that period of time where you're working on building up your portfolio and it just takes like, it feels like it takes forever and you're not going to make many sales during that time. So that's where like the motivation 
portion is really difficult with a micro stock agency. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, for, since we're talking about like what things sell for, how do you set the prices for stock images and like kind of break that down for me? Mm -hmm. So your agency will set the prices and usually it's based either on the size, um, the size of the image that the customer purchases. Sometimes it's based on what they want to use it for. So if they need like print resolution or web resolution, things like that, um, then the pricing changes, but it's not your responsibility as a photographer. Like, unfortunately, you don't really have any power over that other than the fact that, you know, you're signing up with a specific agency and you know what their rates are. And you also Mm -hmm. know what your commission will be up front. So, you know, you know, like for every sale, I'm going to make 30% or 40% of that sale. Um, but yeah, it's really the agency's responsibility and, and they take care of all of that for you. Okay. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like I would be a little stressed about figuring out (laughs) prices and stuff. So it's nice that you kind of just like, they know what to price it at. Yeah. It would be a lot more work if we, as the photographers had to worry about all of that, the licenses and everything. So it's nice that the agency, you know, they take over that part. Right. Awesome. So before we move on to the next topic, um, do you have any last or final thoughts or things that you want to say about stock images before we move on? I don't know if there's anything (laughs) that you're like, oh, I need everyone to know this or this. Right. Um, First of all, if you're a photographer, I think every photographer needs to be monetizing their work. (laughs) Okay. It's, it's not like, like, this is something that commercial photographers do. Like there are very famous photographers who sometimes they'll use a different name for their stock photography portfolio, but you can take work that you've done for clients and still license it as stock photography. Obviously, Mm -hmm. depending on, you know, what your contract with them says, but as long as you, you know, don't need like a model release, or if even if you are able to get a model release, you can still reuse some of your work and re-monetize it and make even more money off the work you've already done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you're like me, you've got all these hard drives full of work that you can go back through <laughs> yeah. and, you know, just start uploading whatever you can and then start seeing what's going to sell for you and, and go from there by, you know, just kind of learning about what people want. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's really good. I feel like even like with random, like if you've gone on like a trip recently and like, I'm the type of person that like, I bring my camera everywhere I go and I take a million pictures of everything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like sometimes that's the vibe that people are going for. So like, yeah, I, I think it's a really good idea. Now you're kind of making me feel like I need to go and like sell all my images, I guess. (laughs) I guess I'll do it fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Every time I go on a trip, I feel like I just have like more, more motivation to take photos and it's not like you have to turn it into a work trip or anything, but just like think about like, how could I turn this into an opportunity to take a few stock photos Um, and you're probably already doing that. So get those photos off your phone and off your hard drive and start uploading them. 
Literally, we are tra- <laughs> we are monetizing every aspect of our life here. That is Let's what do it. that is what we're doing. <laughs> Okay, so um, let's move on to the topic of blogging. Um, This is like, I feel like a lot of people don't talk about blogging. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned in, this wasn't in the podcast, but you mentioned in one of our emails that you monetize your blog. So kind of Mm -hmm. walk me through how you did that. And like, if again, I'm the dummy of monetizing blogs, just like break (laughs) it down for me. Yeah, so it might be surprising to hear that blogging isn't dead. And when you combine it with Pinterest, it can be a really, a really powerful lead magnet for you or, or monetization tool. Um, so when I write a blog post, obviously, I try to stick to, you know, my topics that I teach about. And I love to, you know, share tips and tools and things like that. But before I go and start writing my blog post, I always try to set a goal for that post, a promise, and then like a call to action. So I know like, okay, I'm writing this post. And what I really want people to do is go look at my course after they read the post. You know, I want it to like intrigue them and like teach them the basics of stock photography. And then, you know, at the end, they'll have a a really solid understanding of how to get started and the call to action will send them to my course sales page. So I always start there. Um, And then, you know, you can monetize your posts that way by selling your own products, but you can also become an affiliate for just about anything (laughs) these days. And so like, that's just something I love to do. Like if there's a tool that I'm excited about that, you know, makes it easier for me to do my job or run my business. I want to tell people about that. So I always start with like something I'm excited to talk about. I don't, I I feel like you can spot the difference between someone who's like excited to share a product and someone who's like just being paid to advertise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I try to start with like, what am I excited about? And then I will just like Google like this, you know, say like, Dubsado, that's like a CRM software. So I'll like Google Dubsado affiliate program. And usually you can easily find if a software or if a brand has an affiliate program and you can sign up as long as you usually you just need to have like a website or a social media platform or something like that. Um, And I get my little link that's like specific for me. And then anytime I talk about Dubsado in my blog posts, I'm going to link, use my link to link to there. And then if somebody clicks on that and signs up, they're going to send me a commission for that sale. So I will always like, you know, even after I write a post for something random, I'll be like, you know, I'll go back through and see, see like, is there something I could recommend here or another tool that would help them, you know, be able to complete this, like, I've also signed up like this isn't, you know, my I don't make a ton of money from this, but I have like an affiliate account for Shutterstock and one for um, Wirestock, like a couple of these agencies. They even have affiliate programs. So obviously, like I'm going to put that in my little black book of stock photo agencies, but I still like it's still like a fully comprehensive guide. I don't have 
affiliate links for every single agency, but I'm still like, I want it to be like a really great resource for people. So I'm still going to mention them all. I'm not just going to mention the ones that I get affiliate links for. Um, But that's, yeah, that's like another strategy that you can use to monetize your blog. So there's Mm -hmm. really like the two, either, you know, by selling your own products or using affiliates and selling other people's products. Yeah. I think Uh something that's important to note from what you said, like when you are monetizing your blog or even just like, I don't know, like posting, like posting for a brand on Instagram or whatever, like, Uh you know, you have ulterior, ulterior, alternate. I don't know. You have just ulterior. Yeah. Ulterior. Okay. (laughs) Yes. You have (laughs) ulterior motives, but like, you still need to make the content that you're giving out like valuable and worth it. So like, for Mm -hmm. example, if I um, release a free guide for whatever, I I already have like a camera gear guide. So let's say I release this guide. My goal in the guide most likely is to push people somewhere else. Like you said, to a course Mm -hmm. or um, links, you know what? Amazon links or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes. But within the guide itself, it's still valuable enough that even if they don't go to my links and buy anything, like it's, it's still like worthwhile and they still gain something from you that was valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, people can tell if you are giving something for free, but there's a catch. So really Mm -hmm. you can't be like, Oh, there's a catch or I'm going to withhold something. Like you just got to give it all. And then like, (laughs) incorporate the ways that you can make passive income into it. Um, I also don't feel like a lot of people 100% rely on like affiliate links. I mean, maybe like I've seen like Amazon storefront TikTok accounts where people Mm -hmm. literally just constantly are posting what they buy from Amazon and they make money from there. I guess that's kind of like a whole vibe on its own, but it is a good idea to utilize your blogs and like those links and to push your own products. I, I kind of like just like, that's just like a little side note that I feel like would be really helpful if someone like in the winter season coming up wants to figure out a way to make some side cash. I feel like that's just mm-hmm. a really good idea. Yeah. And just to kind of affirm what you said, like you don't want to be tarnishing your brand by putting out, um, you know, like these guides that are just like, a trap for something or like, you know, not fully giving all the information to people when they've given you, you know, their email address to sign up or whatever it is. Um, because the next time they're not going to download the thing or read your content, or they might not even keep following you because they don't feel like you're being transparent and honest. So Mm -hmm. I think transparency is really important when you're using affiliate links. And, um, yeah, like you said, it's, it's not like, it's definitely not my number one strategy for passive income. Like it's something I try to include here and there because I have the opportunity to do that. But if you just want to be posting affiliate links, like you're going to need a lot of traffic or a really large following to be able to make a lot of money off of that. And I would always, you know, encourage people to like, push your products first, keep people on your website or reading your content rather than just like sending them away to another website and forgetting all about you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that yeah. is going to give you, yeah, the better payoff. 
it's more work, but if if you're thinking long-term strategies, long-term, you know, in your business, then that's definitely going to pay off much more than just selling other people's products. Right. Ex- yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I I like the idea of utilizing like those little tiny links in a blog because of the fact that blogs are so long lasting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I'm viewing Pinterest right now. Like I yeah. think Pinterest is such a long game. Like, like you said, a podcast is a long game, which it <laughs> is. I also feel like Pinterest is a long game. And with Pinterest, I think hand in hand comes blogging. You can really tie those Absolutely. two together and push mm-hmm. blogs on Pinterest. And then if you get a pin that goes viral, um, let's say you have um, a blog entitled five ways to make passive income from stock photography. And then you create a graphic, put that on Pinterest. Then you go and like link that blog to your Pinterest account. And then you have affiliate links within that blog post. Mm -hmm. Like if you do that a couple times every week, like one of those is bound to go viral. Like it's going to happen. So like if you can get those affiliate (laughs) links linked in there, like you are going to make some passive income from it. It might not be like enough to support you for five years, but right. it'll be enough to where you're like, oh, maybe I should do this more often. And it, it's not like you have to create a new graphic for per blog. Like you can do like the same blog and link it mm-hmm. literally like 20 times. Like mm-hmm. there's no rules on Pinterest. Yeah. And you can pre-schedule it too. So you don't have to come yes. back and do that every week or every other week. And yeah, like, I think it's really important to have, you know, Instagram, TikTok, these things are so great, especially like in the here and now. But if you want to build like a business for the long term, you have to be incorporating more of these like long term strategies that you can really count on for, you know, months and years down the road that will still continue to bring you traffic, especially if you want to do something like a blog. Yeah. Yeah. And I even feel like that about stock photography too. I feel like if you get, like you have that one collection that really just popped off. If you can get that, like, it's just going to be a great steady paycheck for like, I don't know if it goes on for years, but like, yeah, like usually the life of a stock photo is around 10 years. Wow. That is absolutely crazy. I had no idea that stock photos lasted that long. Like I just feel like at that point, like, why are we not doing stock photos? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, that is going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you again, Aubrey, so much for coming on today's episode. I feel like you just gave us a lot of good pointers and just a lot on our to-do list, especially as like slow season is coming up. I think it's going to be a really good thing to listen to this episode, especially like if you are wanting to get a little bit of passive income. So thanks again, guys, for listening. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment, oh, to keep my sanity. The wisdom rushing in.